This is Transit Unplugged. I'm Paul Comfort. Good to be with you on another edition of the world's leading transit executive podcast, Transit Unplugged, in-depth this week with our special guest, Dave McKenna, CEO of Rocky Mountaineer, coming to us from Vancouver, Canada. Dave, thanks so much for being a guest on our program today. It's absolutely a pleasure, Paul, and, and great to be here from beautiful Vancouver. There you go. And you were telling me you're waiting for the snow, right? We are. It's a, it's a bit of a rare event out here on the West Coast, uh, but good news. I, I grew up in the central part of Canada. Snow is my friend. There you go. On Transit Unplugged, we talk about public transit, trains, buses, and and mm-hmm. all the latest technology, but we've never really focused on excursion trains before. And uh, this is an opportunity to talk about that. Dave, you're CEO of one of the world's leading excursion trains uh, with operations in Vancouver and here in the U.S., in Denver, where I rode the Rockies to the Red Rocks uh, route recently, which w- took us from Denver out through Glenwood Springs and to Moab, Utah, through the beautiful Rocky Mountains. And I got to tell you, it was one of the most memorable experiences I've ever had, Dave. Just a oh. phenomenal experience. I'm I'm still uh, still have goosebumps about it now, now, six weeks after I was on it. Just phenomenal, man. You know, I think that, uh, thank you. First, first, you know, thank you very much for that. I, the team does just such a remarkable job. And uh, they they are pioneers, you know, the, the team down there working on that route um, because they're building it from the ground up. Uh, but it is remarkable how rail really, and I'm, I'm somewhat new to rail. Um, you know, you looked at my bio, I, I've been in tourism my whole life, but new to this, this excursion rail. And it is remarkable to me. I think the engineers have the best view of, of both Canada and the U.S. Yeah. Um, of of anybody around. Like you see things that you just cannot see in any other way. It was phenomenal, actually. Um, Carl, who uh, is your is your manager down there, took us up to the front. We were able to sit in the cab with the engineers. And you're right. What a phenomenal view. And what a phenomenal service to to take rail and, you know, coming out of the pandemic now, people, I think, are exploding with energy. They want to have experiences. They want to go out and experience life. You know, I always say mobility is the opposite of a lockdown. And so this is the experience of mobility, but also um, a tourism experience like like none other I've been on. Tell us about Rocky Mountaineer. Well, I, I like to tell people that Rocky Mountaineer is the overnight success that took 18 years. Um, it, uh, it started in, uh, 1990 when there was some deregulation going on in the passenger rail service here in Canada. And, uh, Peter Armstrong, who was our founder, um, had the idea, you know, like, so there was a route that was being decommissioned, uh, that went from Vancouver to Banff, Alberta. And, uh, most, uh, most people know Banff. It's an idyllic, Canada's first national park, UNESCO world heritage site. So spectacular, um, and so he said, well, I'm going to, I'll put together a train and I'll run that out, uh, Vancouver. And uh, he was, he was in the um, sightseeing business uh, prior to that. And, you know, through various iterations, it, it uh, had measures of success. And then when we introduced our first bi-level dome, so which we now call the gold leaf cars, that particular route just took off. And we, we really haven't looked back since that time. And uh, to that point this year, uh, you know, we had roughly 97,000 guests. Uh, ride the rails with us and uh, have this life-changing two-day experience looking at some of the most iconic scenery in Canada and the U.S. that you can find. Yeah, uh, the the route we took was phenomenal uh, coming from Denver. I was actually wrapping up a conference, uh, which is the American Public Transit Association Tech Conference, and then to ride this amazing technologically advanced service, but that like took me back in my mind to 
I felt like I was riding, you know, in the 1880s, going out west into cowboy country, you know, and uh, was able to actually stay overnight uh, in Glenwood Springs at what I would call a cowboy hotel. Uh, just wild, just uh, such a great experience. It reminded me of being a kid where my dad and I used to watch um, an old an old Western uh, TV show where they would ride the trains, the Wild Wild West, it was called. I don't know if you remember that with Robert Conrad. Yeah, I mean, you you can't extract trains and train travel from the pioneering spirit that, I mean, it opened up both Canada and the U.S. Without those rail links from coast to coast, who knows how the countries would have been set up back in the day. And, uh, you know, so actually, you, you know, your your observation is really interesting, Paul, because that's exactly the vibe that we're trying to give people as they uh, join it. Like, so our, we have uh, in Canada, we have first passage to the West. Okay. Uh, we have journey through the clouds, which is uh, the route that goes from Vancouver to Jasper. Uh, rainforest to gold rush and then of course rockies to the red ro- uh, red rocks and so it's always an homage to that that spirit of exploration and looking like could you imagine what it was like for the first people like the people building the rails coming into one of those canyons and going holy cow like this the scenery was just incredible and to be the first people to lay eyes on it would have been remarkable and now i think our guests get to see it like this it's privileged access like really unless you were a professional railroader there are certain areas of the colorado river down in the u.s you would never be able to see the hopi steps you'd never be able to see unless you were you were doing that and uh, i think that's the that's the magic of it it brings people back it, there's a romance to it um that freedom to be able to get up and move around which you know you don't get on a plane um i think you stack all those things up with spectacular scenery, um, places that, that, that people um, save up their entire life to go and look at and experience. Uh, I think when you stack all those things up and then we pepper it in with some incredible food, wonderful uh, wine pairings and, and beverage program, I think that's it, it takes the two days. And just like you, well, people rave about it afterwards. And, and frankly, word of mouth is our s- single biggest sales uh, tool. Yeah, it. Um, I don't know if Carolyn told you, but I, just a little quick post I put up on uh, on Instagram Reels on the train. Uh, just it's gone viral, has over six hundred fifty thousand views uh, around the world. Yeah, um, it, it's the biggest thing I've ever posted personally. Uh, it hit more people, and I think it just speaks to how an experience on rail outside through the experience of the Rockies. And I was able to, I play piano. And so Carl uh, took the old, there's a couple uh, cars yeah. you have on the one here in the U S uh, one of them's like a jazz, smooth jazz style car. It's cool. And the other one's like a warm um, Western style, you know, with the bar at the end and, and the piano. So I got to play that and that hit got thousands of views as well. But my point is that it really speaks. I think it grabs the heart of people. Let's talk about the experience a little bit before we kind of dig in behind the scenes for me, uh-huh. you know, we, we uh, were picked up um, in the morning. We went out, we, a bus took us out to a special spot where we got on the vehicle, even that welcoming experience, your staff was so warm and welcoming uh, made us all feel, you know, a part of it. You, you let your bags go and you never have to worry with them again, which is another great uh, amenity that I think we can learn from in the transit industry. Some, uh, and then, you know, getting on the train, having a tour guide kind of guide you through where you're going. I remember one spot, he said, up there is where Butch Cassidy and the Sundance kid were hiding 
from, you know, and, you know, all those memories keep coming back in your mind. And the food, as you mentioned, you know, they're constantly serving you food. It's like going on a, uh, on a cruise, you know, you say, Hey, this mountain air is making my clothes shrink, but it's really all the great foods you're eating and the drinks, you know, phenomenal. And, uh, the, the friendliness of the staff and the things you see, uh, you never get bored. There's no like. There's not a lot of good cell signal up there. But I didn't. I didn't want to be looking at my cell phone. You know the the windows which go up to the ceiling uh, where you can see spectacular views of the Rockies and the water. And Dave, it was just phenomenal. And then the overnight experience uh, there in Glenwood Springs, where we got to go and actually, you know, my buddy uh, Marcelo and I, who was with me, uh, a colleague at work. We uh, we went out and and got to go into the hot springs uh, that evening. Oh, perfect. And, uh, yeah, Iron Mountain hot springs and all the different temperatures of the pools. We got up to 105 degrees. That's the most I could I could put up with. But they went up to 109. Uh, and and of course the great thing was we had snow that morning. We woke up. It was still dark outside. It was snow. It was like this is amazing. And then the rest of the ride into Moab, just phenomenal. Dave, tell us about the experience. Uh, what it is you're going for and what people say about it. Well, I, I think you just described it extremely well. Yes. I, th- I think um, the, the, larger, the larger idea here is we live very busy lives. We're always on the go. And, you know, it, the experience going through airports and, and even taking transit or Uber, whatever you're doing, like life is very fast right now. So we, we like to think that we're offering the opportunity to kind of slow that all down just a little bit. And, um, you know, uh, Peter used to talk about uh, in Canada when we first started the, the journeys that we moved at the speed of Kodak, which is, which is a great reference for those of us that have a little bit of gray in our hairs. You know, uh, for, for some of my younger team, they're like, what's, what's that? Yeah, so, yeah. But I think it's the whole idea is that we can just slow things down a little bit and we're not in a rush to get anywhere. And uh, so the scenery isn't whizzing past you. We're going by at, at uh, slower speeds. So you can really yes. take it all in. Yes. And, and frankly, there's certain areas on the trip where um, UP uh, in the States, a uh, great partner, great, great partner, um, will allow us to slow down so that we can, you know, when there's a, a particularly spectacular piece, we'll slow right down, take it all in. And uh, if we have to duck out of the route of the freight's coming or whatever, we'll do that. We'll go build a side. And you know what? It's okay. We're all right to be on a side because we're looking around and we're enjoying that. That's right. Um, so it's, uh, it's really about that slowing in our lives and the fact that, uh, and most of the journeys, uh, at best, I think any, uh, any one of our routes, the best cell signal is around a 60% of the route. It's fabulous. It, 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 you know, people drop their, their instruments, their phones, their iPads, and then they sit there and they, they start talking to each other. And if they do have their iPads out, they, they're reading their book. Like, when's the last time you had the luxury of just being able to sit back with a glass of wine and read a book and have beautiful scenery go by? And so I think, you know, you, people deserve that in their lives, uh, particularly when they work really hard. Uh, you know, most of our, most of our guests are uh, empty nesters. You know, they've raised their families, have worked hard their whole lives. And it's, it's about time we do something really nice for them to say thank you for everything that they've contributed. Yeah. And so this is our, our little way of giving it back. That's wonderful. Yeah, it's like a cruise on steel wheels. So, uh, it is. Yeah. Speaking of that tourism part of it, Dave, you've spent your career really focused on tourism. Tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to this position. Sure. Well, uh, you know, I, I studied genetics at university. Uh, I love telling this story. Um, it inspires the, you know, my gang here. But um, I studied genetics at university and went out to, to ski for six weeks in Banff uh, in between. 
and uh, never went home. I just <laughs> fell in love with the mountains. Wow. Yeah. Fell in love with the resort style and, and uh, you know, talked to my dad, uh, you know, God bless him. And he was a great guy. And he just said, look, you know what, whatever makes you happy because life is going to be long. So I want you to be happy, son. And so then I, I just decided I needed to make a, a career. And I, I never really worked in hospitality. I did a little bartending in university, as everyone does. Um, but I, you know, managed to carve out a great, uh, great path working at ski resorts in Canada and New Zealand. Um, doing ski patrol. And then that led me into uh, some restaurants. And then I was, I really liked the hotel industry. You know, when you get into these big resort hotels, there's a real magic to those. There's a feel. It's really about that focus on the guest. And, and, you know, when they roll up to the front door, you know, their name and you are using their names through their entire experience. And then you really work as a team to deliver that. Um, and that, that led me through uh, from hotels. I took on uh, when I was working for Pursuit, um, uh, took on some attractions, which were really interesting. And that led me naturally to uh, where I am today. But, you know, Paul, this is my first rail experience. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, I, I am really, really, um, I've done the trip in Canada as a, as a customer. Um, but I'm really, really enamored with, with what this does, how it changes people's lives. And our, our new route in the U.S., I think, is just the tip of the iceberg um, for Americans have this thirst to explore their like amazing, beautiful places. And we have the ability to help them you know, go and see those and explore those, even if they're not climbing mountains or rafting rivers anymore, you know we can still get them into some of these incredible places. So, uh, you know, this hospitality thing, it's in my blood. Um, you know, if I'm on the train, I'm picking up glasses. You just can't help yourself um, serving wine, of course. But, um, you know, I think every day um, people ask me why I do what I do. And, and uh, you know, I, I just, I really actually believe that, you know, um, in the hospitality sector, and it doesn't really matter what, what part of it you're in, when we're entertaining people from around the world and uh, introducing them to new cultures um, and, you know, Canada and U.S., we're, we have cultures and we're introducing people to a different way of thinking and different way of uh, experiencing things and, you know, um, it, introducing them maybe to some indigenous content that they would know, never otherwise have any, a reason to do. Well, when we do those things, I believe that people can't undo those experiences. They can't undo what they've learned. And so therefore they go back to home, wherever that is, maybe a little bit more open-minded, a little bit more appreciative of how, well, maybe not everything was as set in stone as I once thought. And when you get achieved that openness, I think that's the beginning of making the world a safer place. So at the end of the day, I truly believe that every single day I get up and make the world a slightly better place. And that's my life goal. That's wonderful. Yeah, that's like the, uh, like you and I were talking about beforehand, the Simon Sinek, the why, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, the team here, like to motivate people to provide an awesome hospitality service, there are skills to do that. But the biggest skill is in your heart. Like you really have to care. You have to have that deep empathy for the guest and just desire to show them this amazing time. And, you know, a lot of our hosts, they stay in touch with guests for, and they write them, you know, and send them Christmas cards and everything for years. So the hosts that have been working with us for, you know, almost two decades, 
they have quite the Christmas card list that comes up every year. It's marvelous. Yeah. Um, Rocky Mountaineer definitely goes the extra mile, I think, uh, you know, pun intended, uh, on a lot of areas. One of the things that Carl Tensio, your general manager there, had told me about, and we saw it with our own eyes, was the that you are uh, in the U.S. operation using a higher safety standard on the rail than even what's required by law for that type of train. And I showed us, you know, the standards, the inspections, the maintenance. Uh, and I love the fact that you've got, you know, a mechanic on the train with you going there. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, uh, it's phenomenal. So first, Carl is, uh, you know, he's one of our great rock stars. Uh, and I'll tell you what, he's a, incredibly well-renowned and and uh, thought of in the railroad industry. Yes, he is. Uh, and he was uh, he was doing, you know, uh, sort of the class one, but then he was also doing some uh, some transit as well. In around the Denver area. But, you know, I think that it's, it's our whole philosophy. Like why, why go in and do the standard, the minimum standard, if you can go in and be really, really good. And, you know, um, my, my worst day ever is going to be the day where, you know, one of our employees or one of our guests gets hurt on one of the trains. So let's just try whatever we can to avoid that and, uh, and make sure that the journey is nothing but pleasant. You know, we uh, in uh, we have operated accident free since we started uh, doing that trip down in Denver two years now, two seasons, and uh, I believe we are at uh, almost uh, six hundred days in Canada without a workplace injury at our in our main rail yard. We have a massive uh, shop where we do all of our own work on our carriages and locomotives, and uh, you know, so that that's something I'm really proud of because uh, that means the team are taking care of each other. When I was riding, you know, I'm. I have over 30 years in uh, public transit, uh, trains and buses and and ran trains, uh, commuter trains, big, you know, diesel engines into Washington, D.C., commuter service. So I'm familiar with with uh, a lot of the rules and regulations and how we run commuter service. One of the um, parts of public transportation that was severely impacted by the pandemic was commuter trains because people have changed their work style where their hybrid work schedules, you know, Tuesday through Thursday cities, they're calling them now. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, but I think there's things we could learn, Dave, from excursion trains. And my mind is always, I'm an inductive thinker. So I was pulling it together. Well, oh, we should do this. Oh, we should do that. I was lessons I was learning while I was on your train, thinking about how I could, you know, take that back and share that with my friends who run commuter services around, um, around the world. One of the things was, I thought, like you mentioned, the, the care and attention paid to the passenger, that's a lesson that we're learning in the transit and commuter train industry is that these aren't just riders, you know, they're customers. And um, as a matter of fact, uh, the American Public Transit Association did a survey last year and it became the number one KPI, the number one key performance indicator that transit systems are focused on now is the customer experience. Tell us about that focus you have on customer experience and how it's expressed on a day-to-day basis. And then I want to get into the food because <laughs> I thought that was phenomenal too. Okay. Well, I, you know, um, I appreciate what you're saying. I think that there's a post post pandemic here. There's lots of opportunity for us to rethink how things work. Um, Even, you know, I'm here at our, we have a beautiful office, two floors at 980 Howe street in downtown Vancouver. And, and we're not full every day, like we used to be. Um, So we're getting a little bit creative about how to make the the office environment uh, a place where you, you choose to come into versus have to come into. And so I think the same thing can be translated all the way around. I think the way to start is uh, in our in our work, we start uh, with something called the guest journey or the customer journey profile. And it's a marketing thing, but 
you, you really start with who your demographic is, and then you really think about it from even to the point of when they're researching you online or at the travel agency, where you start to set the tone and, and try to understand what their expectations are. Um, as you can imagine, we can do a great job on the train, but if it's a clunky booking process or, or you know, awkward, uh, then that's going to affect, uh, you know, our, our guest journey is end to end from the time they, they start the research to maybe even six months after travel, where we try to stay in touch with them and find out, you know, what their experience was like. And, uh, and of course, see if they might want to do another experience with us if they're fans like yourself. So it's really understanding then a deep understanding of what the needs are. And if you can, I think the magic of luxury travel is you can anticipate the needs of your client, your guest. You know, think about someone coming to your home. You're thinking about, well, they might need towels and they might need this and they might need right. that. So why why is it any different on one of these trains? So you have to anticipate someone's coming from India and they're going to be riding this rail. You know, what 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 are the little things we can do to show that we've really thought about them and their experience and provide them that before they even have to ask for it? That's the magic. When you hit those little magic buttons, that's when things really start clicking for people and uh, anticipating what might interest people in terms of the experience on board the train. When uh, the scenery is spectacular outside, you know, pointing out, uh, not overdoing it with information, but giving them those one or two little quotes like you have that you take home yeah. and you tell all your friends about. That's right. So there, there's a science. There's definitely a science to it. Disney is, is fantastic. Yes. Um, you know, people talk about the Disneyfication of things, but I'm actually a big fan of Disney because they did the science. They've done the research. You can go to the Disney Institute down in Orlando and you will learn that, uh, at least it used to be, that garbage cans at a Disney theme park are no more than 22 feet away from each other because at 11 feet, you are 50% more apt to drop something on the ground than to walk to the bin to put it in. Like that's science. Yes. So, you know, it's not always about the mouse. There's really a whole bunch of really amazing uh, work they've done. Also, when you think about queuing and about uh, creating that that uh, sense of adventure, um, how do you do that in a long queue? Well, I think that that's where the science can come in and we can that can translate uh, through really any experience that we're trying to offer people. It's just, again, anticipating their needs. And then when you deliver that without them even having to think about it, um, at the end of it, they're just like, wow, like that was unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Well, especially in these days in the post-COVID world where, in my opinion, we've had a severe degradation of customer service and and many uh, commercial experiences. I mean, I emailed someone this morning, a company this morning, because I, I received a little uh, item in the mail and I emailed them and told them an issue I had with it. And I got an automated response saying, we'll get back to you in a few days. Uh, it didn't used to be that way. Or when you call in and they're like... I called in a major store the other day uh, and they were like, sorry, we don't answer our phones anymore. You need to get to us on the, just those kind of things. And so having that kind of service, when I sat down on your train and then having someone come in, and uh, put down the table in front of me and put out a white napkin on it, uh, a cloth napkin and uh, begin the meal service, um, which was multi-course while I'm sitting on the train. I mean, phenomenal, Dave. Tell us about how you make that work on the food side of things. Well, there again, there's there's a science and a magic to that as well as uh, as anybody that's been on a on a train with a, a galley. 
<clears throat> you don't have a lot of room. You don't have uh, a lot of water. You don't have a lot of uh, a lot of things that you would normally have in a commercial kitchen. Um, I've actually built a, a five diamond restaurant uh, at one point in my career, which was wow. fascinating. But uh, you know the resources that go into doing that are phenomenal. Um, and now we're trying to deliver that same experience on a train. And uh, you know, my hats off to the team. They do a remarkable job, particularly our galley hosts who are uh, putting together the meals in those tight uh, spaces. Like talk about, if you ever wanted to hire someone who knows something about efficiency, go and talk to one of our galley hosts because they'll <laughs> show you. Um, but a lot of the work, the mise en place and whatnot is done offsite. So we have some caterers and other people that help us um, prep that. As you can imagine, we can't be dicing carrots on a, on a train. Um, but, uh, and then the meals are... Uh, really worked on. So right now we're in the process of experimentation over the winter and we will iterate, iterate, iterate until we get it absolutely right. And uh, I think that the big thing for, uh, we introduced it this year, but next year uh, we're going to work a little bit more on the wine and food pairings, uh, not for breakfast, but when we get into the the lunch and the dinner services, um, there's a great opportunity there to really round out the experience. And, um, and, you know, uh, food and beverage pairings uh, don't necessarily have to be alcohol as well, right? Like there's, it's uh, sometimes the beverage that you're drinking really brings out the flavor of the food and vice versa. And so uh, we have some really talented people that are working on that. And then once we, once we get the design, now we have to compartmentalize it down to something we can deliver on the train. So in the U.S., uh, you know, on the, the uh, single level domes that you had that great experience on, you know, we have the the uh, small galleys on the uh, bi-level domes in Canada. We actually designed the galley a little bit bigger, and we are doing a lot more elevated right there on the train. We have, uh, you know, chefs on board uh, preparing it. And um, that is, uh, there's dance. I actually spent uh, one trip last year. We were very short-staffed as well. Like, every so to your point about service, like, listen, uh, it's not been easy for anybody, not easy for us, not easy for anybody coming out of this. I'm optimistic that things will, you know, get better uh, next summer. But, um, you know, I worked in the, uh, as a dishwasher, the uh, subaquatic ceramic technician on, <laughs> on board one of our gold leaf dome. And it was, it was eye-opening like it was incredible um you know the dance that you three people do in that back alley to prepare food for up to 70 people um you know and multi-course meals so um you know there's there's uh i think it's it's a lot of experimentation beforehand that then gets refined on board i think the other thing that's really exciting paul is our addition uh this uh last year of local sourced um sort of specialties uh, like for instance, on the trip that you were on, we restocked that train with uh, with pastries, incredible pastries from a local uh, bakery uh, called Sweet Colorado, and they do <laughs> an amazing good. job. Yeah, the guests love it. It's it's absolutely fabulous. And um, so I think having those local flavors and something unique to the area, um, maybe even synonymous with the area. Uh, to give it that little extra. Like, did you pick up on the fact that um, we went through the vineyards in uh, Colorado, which honestly, I didn't even know there were uh, wineries in Colorado prior to doing this trip. 
Um, and so we feature those wines on board the yes. train now. Yeah, that was phenomenal. Yeah, to, pulling it all together like that. Amazing. So folks will be listening to this show uh, most likely through the Christmas holiday season. Uh, and you, the services are, are opening back up in the spring. So tell us about what we can expect when service opens back up uh, in both uh, in Canada and the U.S. and any new plans you have for the new year, other than you've already mentioned a few of them. Uh, well, service opens up in uh, late April, both in uh, Canada and the U.S., and then we'll run through till October. Um, each route has a barrier state, but that's generally yes. the, the ballpark. And so um, depending on when you're interested in traveling, our, our peak times would be September and May, pretty much across the board. Um, so there's, there's a value that if you're looking for a value versus a specific time, uh, you know, uh, June and um I would say June and even early July or, um, you know, late April are, are great times to, uh, to try to, uh, look for that. Um, for, uh, the trips this year, we're, we're, um, working on our interpretation in Canada. Um, the, uh, indigenous experience has really been something that has been, um, important as a nation for us to, to go through. It's called truth and reconciliation. And as a nation, we're going through that right now. Um, and uh, it's, it's been a little painful for everyone, um, you know, acknowledging, you know, where we, where we were and, and where we got to today. Um, but the beautiful thing is, uh, you know, we have incredible relationships with uh, some of the local nations uh, that, uh, that we travel through. If you think about it, our trains travel much like they did in early days. And as you travel through all these different territories, it's great to acknowledge the different territories you're going through. And there's an amazing story to be told. Um, and uh, it's not our story to tell, but um, we're working with uh, some of the elders and uh, the different uh, First Nations, as I said, in, in areas where we work to, to see, um, you know, what, what story they would like us to, to share and maybe even come on board and share it with us. Um, oh, so I think wonderful. there's going to, yeah, there's going to be some, some really cool stuff that, that comes from that. Constant improvement in the food and beverage. Uh, and, uh, you know, the probably the big thing from a, a train perspective is uh, we're upgrading all of our AC. You know, it, it's um, it's just one of those realities that, uh, you know, we seem to be getting warmer every year or longer heats, heat spells. And so we're, uh, we're working on our AC delivery systems to make sure that that's working uh, superbly at all times of the year. Well, Dave, um, Again, what an experience a Rocky Mountaineer excursion train was. And for our listeners, if you want to have an experience of a lifetime, I encourage you to Google Rocky Mountaineer uh, in Vancouver, uh, Canada, or in uh, Denver, Colorado, and take a look at it. It was a great experience. And there's so much I think we can learn in the public transportation rail industry from the focus on customer service, the, the science, as you called it, finding out what our customers want today. A friend of mine who runs train service in Southern California always says, Paul, if people aren't buying it, we shouldn't be selling it. Uh, but if they are buying it, it's what we should be selling. And it's what you're doing there, Dave. You're up to like close to a million passengers in total now that have ridden the service, right? Absolutely. And we're, we're extremely proud of that. Uh, we have lots of raising, you know, it's amazing the reach too. Like we have hundreds of thousands of uh, raving fans in Australia and uh, all over Europe uh, and particularly the U.S. I mean, uh, our American friends, uh, you know, love to come up and see the Canadian Rockies, and I can't wait to show the world more of the U.S. Rockies. It's a, it's a great match. Yeah. Well, congratulations on what a wonderful service you're running there for people, and uh, you've got another raving fan in me. <laughs> That's great, Paul. You know what? You're welcome up anytime, you know, if you want to come up, and particularly if you wanted to come up to our yard in Kamloops, 
uh, love to show you around. We've got a great, uh, great bunch of folks there that uh, make sure that everything works the way it's supposed to. That's great. Let's do that in the new year. All right. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Transit Unplugged In-Depth with our special guest, Dave McKenna, CEO of the Rocky Mountaineer. Now, next week is a very special episode. It's our year-end wrap-up here at Transit Unplugged. We have a look back at 2022 and a look ahead at 2023 for everything in public transport around the world. And we have four special guests for this episode. We have Rod Jones, portfolio leader and head of Medaxo Americas, the sponsor of Transit Unplugged. Jeremy Yap, deputy chief executive of LTA in Singapore. Julie Tim, CEO of Sound Transit in Seattle. And our very special guest, Mohamed Mizgani, secretary general of UITP, all in conversation with Paul about everything going on in the future of transit and where things will be headed next year. Don't forget to go to Transit Unplugged, subscribe to the newsletter so you're always in the loop with everything going on with the show. And if you have a question, comment, or would like to be a guest on the show, email us anytime at info at transitunplugged.com. So until next year, ride safe, ride happy, and I hope everyone's had a happy holidays and a prosperous new year.